0: The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Steffen, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Bill Carter is the authority on late-night television and an on-air contributor and executive producer of the new six-part docuseries, The story of Late Night on CNN, which just premiered. For years, Bill wrote for the New York Times and authored The Late Shift, which was all about the war between David Letterman and Jay Leno. Bill is on the line right now in New York City. Bill, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Great to be with you. How are you doing, Tim?
0: I'm great, thank you. And uh, first of all, I have to say I was a huge fan of your book, The Late Shift, and and the TV treatment on HBO, nominated for an Emmy, as I recall. And at the time, I I think a lot of us really didn't know about all that stuff going on behind the scenes.
1: (laughs) That's true, and that's why... I, I remember Jim. I was pitching the book, and people thought, "No, this this story has been covered everywhere." A couple of publishers like, "There's no book in this because the press has covered the whole thing." And I'm like, <laughs> uh, "No, guys, there's a lot. There's a lot more you don't know." And uh, and I found that throughout my career, you know, what you write on a daily n- newspaper kind of basis, you get like. You know, 20 percent of the surface, and there's 80 percent below that, and you, that you don't hear unless you write, unless you talk to everybody and write a book about it. To say, as long as you mention the late shift, if I, if I may, the blade shift, which people still can read in, in book form, is just. For the first time, come out in digital because we never did a digital version because it was so long ago. So people can pick pick it up and read it on Kindle now for the first time.
0: Oh, that is great! Great to hear. Well, Bill, I have to I have to ask you. I've always been curious. How do you get people when you're interviewing people behind the scenes to give up personal details about Letterman and Leno back in those times?
1: Well, you know, you have to get to the point where they trust you that you're that you're not out to get anybody. That you're just going to tell the story. And and what I is done with the books that I've written is to tell people it's not like a newspaper where I'm writing something with attribution each time. I'm going to tell the story so you can give me details of the story. And you don't even have to be mentioned as long as you give me the details and I can verify them. And, and then people came to trust me after I did the late shift. They liked it so much that I could sh- use that as an example. Just look at how I wrote that. It's a story. It's a narrative. It's not like uh, a nonfiction book where I'm, you know, I'm doing a c- accountability for each uh, a- episode. I'm telling you, you have to trust me that I know this and I, I believe this to be the truth. And fortunately for me, everybody that was involved in it, at the end of it, even people who felt like that they, they didn't look great all the time, like a couple of the NBC executives, they said to me, look, I know there were some episodes in there I didn't look, but it's all true. Every bit of this is true. You've got it exactly right. And I thought, well, you know, that's the greatest compliment in the world. So, You know, that's basically what I was able to do. And once I did it once, people were comfortable sort of talking to me freely.
0: And I'm assuming that people were so fascinated by the late-night hosts, which now includes, you know, Kimmel, Fallon, Corden, Colbert, and and much more, because we see them so often. We see them every night, and we kind of form a relationship with them, don't we?
1: No question. And that's when people ask me about what makes late-night work, I always emphasize that, because... If you if a guy's a regular host and you watch him all the night, every night you start to feel like you know him and these hosts do reveal themselves they talk about this what's going on with their lives you know famously Letterman would have to come in and talk about the woman breaking into his house you know and, and yeah. getting you know speeding tickets and all that kind of stuff and he would talk about that and a lot of times people laugh and think, well he must be joking, but it was always true he was always telling the true story and that's why when the night he came on and Talking about being blackmailed because he was having that affair, is the audience starts to laugh as though it's a joke, but I'm sitting there thinking, no, 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 this is true. Yeah. All of this is 100% true. And and you've hit on the thing—the relationship that you get into with the host—is really critical to making a successful late-night show.
0: Yeah, I mean the times that Dave talked about his heart attack and brought all the doctors on and and uh, talked <laughs>
1: exactly
0: talked very seriously about the nine eleven attacks. Uh, and by the way, Bill, Dave became a really good—not that he wasn't in the early days, but he became a really good interview the last few seasons of his show, didn't
1: he? No question, but he wasn't good early. He he, and everybody on the show knows that he wasn't because he was so concerned about the comedy and and listening to the go, to the stories of the guests, not to to and then ask a question, but to think where can I get a laugh in? Where can I get a laugh in? That's a mistake. You have to listen to the guest and the guest may something say something you don't expect. You can't then just go off and say whatever the next question is. You got to follow up. And Dave learned that Dave Dave was a broadcaster. He he was more a broadcaster than a comic. He never re- after he had his show, he didn't go around the country doing stand-up. Like Jay would always do stand-up on the weekends, even though he had a, a a TV show. Dave was a broadcaster and he thought about his show and how he could make television better, not necessarily make comedy better, but he invented a lot of crazy new ways of making the TV show look, you know, different. And that made, that's why I think his legacy is probably the most significant thing about Dave. He had impact across the whole range of late night hosts uh, that followed him.
0: Yeah, and was there any thought to doing a second HBO movie about the shift of Leno to Conan and back to <laughs> and back to Jay again?
1: Yes, there was. There were. I had a meeting with HBO, and um, <clears throat> I was of course eager to do it because I had written the script for the first one, and I thought I could do a good job of the second one, and um, the, you know, reluctance came down to something, which I now find silly. They, they were like, uh, we, we're really uncomfortable doing shows where you have to cast real people. <laughs> and really that's all they did. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> they did live rocking. And you know, and they did, you know, the, the Clarence Thomas, the guy, character, they, that's all they did. And I was like shocked by that, but, but they were like, you know, casting Conan. And the funny thing is when, when the, all this went down and Conan was finishing up at NBC he was playing around with this and saying, "Well, I guess they're going to make a movie. Uh, you know, now they're going to make a movie, and who's going to play me?" And as a goof, one night he put up a picture of himself next to the actress Tilda Swinton. Right, <laughs> right I remember and that. Tilda, Sw- Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton looks a lot like him. You yeah. know, really, with the swept up red hair and everything. And then the next day or the day after that, Tilda Swinton is interviewed somewhere, and she says, "Oh, I do that in a second. I right. do that in a second. So I'm saying, I'm saying to HBO, "Well, I, you know, you may think this is crazy, but." If that if she did that, that would be kind of phenomenal. If she and and they were like, no, no, no. But even now, I'm thinking that would have been a brilliant move because you know everyone would have said, let's see, let's see this woman playing Conan. It would be fantastic. Anyway, that didn't happen. But <laughs> if any if producers are out there, I'm ready. I'm still ready. Uh, I'm yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to,
0: to. I'm trying. That kind of sparks a memory. Didn't a woman end up playing Bob Dylan in that movie where several people played Bob Dylan? Yes,
1: <laughs> yes it was. Yes, of course. Kate Blanchett. Kate
0: Blanchett, right. Bill, I was really on Team Letterman, you know, during those years. I'm not sure why, but it seemed like, Jay, in the final couple seasons of the show, when we knew he was going off, I'm not sure why, but I started to like the guy.
1: Yeah, well, he he showed some vulnerability there. I mean, you know, his show got canceled, his primetime show got canceled, uh, and then he was being battered for, you know, going back and shoving uh, Conan off the air. So I think there was a vulnerability to him that people did not previously assign uh, to him or, or at least didn't recognize in him. And, you know, you also get used to guys. They, they've been on a long time to get used to guys. And, you know, Shane's not a bad person. <laughs> you know, uh, a, a lot of people who were Letterman fans and Conan fans especially absolutely hated the guy. Yeah. And, you know, he, his point was always, I get the best ratings, why shouldn't they put me on? That's hard to argue with in the TV business.
0: As far as Carson was concerned, I've always wondered this. I'm not sure if we ever got a straight answer on this, but what was it that Joan Rivers and Rich Little did that they were never invited back?
1: Well, I don't think he was comfortable with the Rich Little uh, impression. And right. I think he did something, one impression over the top. Joan, it was <laughs> obvious. I mean, Joan, he created Joan as a star, basically gave her the guest hosting uh, role. And then she went and got a show at Fox without telling him about it. I think if she had talked to him about it and said, Johnny, I've got this offer. What do you think? And gotten his blessing, everything would have been fine. Because Dick Cavett was a writer for Johnny. And when he got an offer to do the show, he went to Johnny and he said, I, I, I'm thinking about doing this. And he said, kid, you should do it. And here's some advice. And, and, and that's what Johnny wanted out of Joan. And when Joan didn't do that, he resented that because she's going to take him on now and be a competitor And basically he felt like she did it behind his back, you know, and I think people thought it was sexist and all that. And maybe there was some of that in there because, you know, there's a supposedly NBC had a list of potential hosts and she wasn't on it or whatever. But I do think, you know, if you're going to be in show business and a guy and a person sets your career up, you sort of owe it to them to make sure you you keep them in the loop and you don't become a competitor of theirs you know, behind their back.
0: By the same token, though, Dick Cavett's show was very popular for a few seasons. It was trendy. Young people were liking that show. Did Johnny ever kind of feel the heat from that a little bit?
1: No, I don't think so, because uh, Cavett approached the show quite differently. Although he did do a monologue, and he was funny, his show was often very serious, and he took on all the issues of the 60s, the Vietnam War, civil rights, and all of that, which Johnny basically steered clear of. He basically stayed clear of that. So he felt like Dick has his territory and he never got numbers that actually threatened Johnny. The only guy who threatened Johnny number wise was Arsenio Hall. When Arsenio Hall came on and had this young hip show, NBC got worried because Johnny was, you know, now in his sixties and they were like, Whoa, you know, we, we can't afford to lose this, this young audience. And that's, Set, that really set in motion all the things that then happened: Johnny stepping down, and Jay getting the job, and Dave getting resented, resentful, and Dave going to CBS. All of that happened because Arsenio was a, was the threat uh, to NBC. Generally, I should point out, all of this is in the documentary on Sunday night. Exactly.
0: Do you talk about Steve Allen at all on the documentary?
1: Absolutely. About half of the first episode is about Steve Allen. He invented the form. He, he, he got was thrown into a show that was an hour and forty five minutes long. <laughs> wow and and you know it was live, by the way, it was live going you know one o'clock in the morning. And he invented all these stunts and funny things to fill that time and and basically set the the template for everything to come. and And everybody imitated Steve Allen and still does. He did all kinds of great creative things.
0: Yeah, I know. Jumping into the pool with Jello, I know that's something Letterman must have loved. And and I know that he, Steve Allen had to go up against NBC executive Pat Weaver, who I think I read somewhere that he wanted him to do news and weather reports on the show.
1: That's right. And, and, <laughs> and he wrote a memo. Steve wrote a memo and said, look, it's not the Today Show. I'm a comedian. I'm going to go for laughs throughout the show. And they did a little bit at the very beginning. They did a little bit of news headlines and even weather. They're, the announcer Gene Rayburn had to do some ski reports, initially. <laughs> and finally they were like, "This is this is really not working. It it doesn't fit with the rest of the show." So they dropped it, and and you know Steve has proved right for sure.
0: The story of late night on CNN on Sunday, Bill Carter, always great talking to you, and uh, we appreciate it. Really looking forward to the series.
1: Thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks for having me on. All
0: right. Stay well. Bye-bye. There he goes. Bill Carter, the executive producer of the six-episode documentary series for CNN Films. And you should also check out his companion six-part podcast called Behind the Desk. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.